Hi guys, welcome to episode 22 of The Beauty of Ugly. My name is Sim Tong and let's talk about some stuff. Uh, so I was in Penang pretty much all of this week. Monday was the drive up to Penang. I'm not a very good driver. I usually find it quite tiring. But this time, we picked up my father-in-law in Teluk Intan. So the link between Teluk Intan to Taiping, yeah, he drove that part. So I, I got to get a little shut eye in the middle of my long drive. So that was nice. Yeah, so it's just been eating nonstop, eating in Taiping, eating in Penang. And um, I think I put on 3 kg, man, seriously. I weighed myself and I'm like, that's extra 3 kg that I didn't used to have. I, I don't know where it came from. It must have been on this trip. Everybody says this about Penang, right? You go to Penang, you, you can't not eat, right? You just have to just try everything. But it got to the point where me and my father-in-law and my son, uh, we were just complaining that, oh, we can't eat anymore. It's like we have to skip a meal to feel comfortable. It was getting to that point, you know. It'd be like we'd eat breakfast, uh, something yummy nearby the hotel. Sometimes we would not eat anything until lunch, but lunch is also pretty near to breakfast. And then we're meeting someone for tea, and before tea, it's like, uh, should we go back to the hotel and rest? No, it just doesn't make sense. Let's just uh, find something else to do. And what is it that we do in Penang? We eat, right? So uh, so between lunch and tea time, we have our, I don't even know what you, what would you call a meal between lunch and tea time? So we eat, and then we eat, and then it's dinner time again. And then after dinner, it's like, okay, we, we can't eat anymore, just Let's let's take a break. Let's have a little rest. And then my wife wants to eat some more. <laughs> so yeah, it's been one of those pretty typical Penang trips, I guess. And then uh, and then uh, you know on the way back we passed by Telo Intan, of course, uh, to drop off my father-in-law. And in Telo Intan, my wife was still like, "Come on, let's eat chendol." You know, we gotta eat the Telo Intan chendol, the Telo Intan chi chong fan. You know, the Telo Intan Laksa, and I'm like, oh my god. Uh, okay, let's see what's going on here. Sim, you ditched your own online comedy show to perform on stage in Penang. Stephen Bose must be thinking, what lie you? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I was trying to actually run my show from the hotel, but the Wi-Fi really, really sucked. I think the whole place was sharing one Wi-Fi or something, and I just couldn't get anything i couldn't go on youtube i couldn't even read my facebook nothing so the internet sucked and so i thought like well maybe i could just go to an internet cafe and do it from there right uh, but that meant i wouldn't be performing because i didn't know whether it'd be noisy but at least i could just you know produce the show or produce the show but basically just press buttons and say who goes on next and even that i couldn't really do because uh, uh it's kind of a long story um because uh to go to the internet cafe i, I asked the hotel um owner basically it was just one guy he was the owner he was the concierge he was the receptionist he was everything and he just said like, oh, you just walk out there and um, out to the main street and take a ride and uh, look for the internet cafe. And I wasn't sure whether he was sending me on a wild goose chase or what, but uh, I didn't go. I just, because I, I hurt my foot 
that's actually the other story I wanted to tell. Uh, we went rock climbing. There was one big draw for my son was that uh, part of this trip would be we would be going to the rock climbing gyms in Penang. So we went to the hangout gyms, pretty nice small gyms run by um, very nice people, but they are very small. Uh, compared to the rock climbing gyms in Kuala Lumpur, very small. Uh, there was another gym called Project Rock, I think, and they had two gyms as well. And uh, we didn't check those out because uh, they were pretty expensive, I think. Uh, but those were bigger uh, from what we hear. Um, but so, yeah, two visits, one to each branch of the Hangout Rock Climbing Gym. And on the first visit, I fell off uh, this attempt at bouldering, um, which is basically you you do your climb and then you jump down onto the mat, right? And I am, <laughs> the young people usually jump down. Me, I usually climb back down. Uh, and it's kind of, I guess it must be infuriating for them to watch me because like, why don't you just jump down, you know? And then if they want to climb the climb after me, they have to wait until I climb back down. Um, but that's what I do, you know, I have to, I'm an old man, I need to protect my knees and ankles. But this one time I didn't climb down, I didn't jump down, I fell off the climb and I think I wasn't really ready to land on my feet. I just, it just caught me off guard. And so I landed awkwardly and I heard a crunching sound, which wasn't good. And then I just... I wasn't in pain, but I knew that something must be wrong and I didn't want to put any weight on my foot. So I just kind of was sitting on my ass and I just kind of scuttled out of the way because someone else was climbing nearby and I didn't want him to fall on top of me. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to get out of that spot. So I just kind of, yeah, scooted out of the way uh, on two hands and one foot. Just like a, just like an injured spider, I guess, uh, and uh, and that was a, uh, yeah, that got me thinking. Like, um, I have to look at this rock climbing thing a little bit differently. Maybe I, maybe I have to take it a lot easier and not try anything that's really beyond my ability. Especially when I'm doing bouldering, when I'm doing the rope climbs, if I fall off, the rope catches me. I never touch the ground, right? Um, so yeah, I have to maybe have another look at this rock climbing thing and uh, rethink how I do it because uh, I can't keep doing it the same way I've been doing uh, this past 20 years uh, because uh, my body can't, can't deal with this kind of accidents anymore. Uh, <laughs> Pat Fern says, 3 kg in 4 plus days, that's fantastic. Dripping sarcasm. Uh, yeah, so you're not impressed, huh, Pat Fern? I don't know. It's just a lot, you know. I the last time I weighed myself, actually, the last time it's probably not just four days. It the last time I weighed myself was probably like a month ago. So it's probably like three kg over the stretch of one month, which isn't too bad, but it's still pretty bad considering. Uh, I've been trying not to, you know. I've been trying not to gain weight, but uh, not. I say I've been trying not to gain weight, not like I've been going out, you know, uh, doing any like running or anything or walking or anything uh, that burns a lot of calories. How's the ankle today? It's still kind of wonky. 
I'm still kind of limping. I walk with a slight limp now. It wasn't as bad as the first two days. The first two days, I was just, I didn't dare put any weight on it at all. Um, now I'm walking okay, except at the end of my stride, I do feel a little niggling feeling that reminds me, hey, don't put too much weight on this foot. Um, so I am pretty careful with it, especially when I'm walking downstairs. Uh, if I take one step at a time, like if I if I take one one step with one foot and then catch up with the other foot, just like walking like a 90-year-old, um, I think it's okay. Uh, yeah, not throwing shade on 90-year-olds, but um, that's how you guys walk. <laughs> but um, that, that's how I'm walking now, you know. Um, but uh, if I walk like, um, you know, one foot leapfrogging over the other, uh, like a normal person would walk, right, down the stairs, uh, yeah, it, it feels... I wouldn't say painful, but definitely there's a feeling there that's not comfortable. Yeah. So I I never saw a doctor. I don't know. Uh, do you guys have a distrust of doctors? Because I sometimes I'm not sure whether they, <laughs> they actually help at all. But I probably should have seen a doctor. But I didn't see a doctor because I figured like, well, uh, it's not really painful. So uh, I'll just sleep it off. <laughs> I did the man thing, you know. <laughs> I did the manly man thing. And like, yeah, it's nothing. I'll sleep it off. Um, so that's what I did. And uh, I'm still trying to sleep it off after uh, how long has it been? So it happened on Tuesday. Today is Sunday. So after like six nights. So yeah, that's that's my foot. That's what happened in Penang. And uh, it's a little warning to me, I guess. A little mistake that I have to make to realize like, oh, okay, that's where the line is now. Now that I'm 49 years old, the line used to be here and now the line is here. And I got to keep making these adjustments, you know, each time I, I realize like, oh, okay, I can't be pushing it that far. I got to make a little adjustment. Yeah. Um, I only don't see doctors who insist on giving me antibiotics. Ah, yes. I, when I was a kid, uh... Doctors were just giving out antibiotics willy-nilly. Every time you had a cough, you had a fever, it's like, yeah, it's time for antibiotics. And later, I think uh, the trend was kind of changed. Um, or maybe doctors kind of wised up. Or maybe we just knew more, right? Yeah, but when I was a kid, I ate way too much antibiotics. And I think that was why I was a very sickly, not a very healthy kid. Yeah, in the antibiotics just went into my stomach and killed all, all my natural uh, uh, bacteria. And then I think nowadays when I see a doctor, even if I am prescribed antibiotics, I am reluctant to take it. I think I would not take it on the first day and see how I go. And I see some improvement. I probably would try not to take it. Sometimes you need it though. Sometimes you just need these uh, extra soldiers you know, in your body to, to kind of kill bacteria and a lot of times i don't know i don't really know how it works but a lot of times you're fighting a virus but at the same time uh your body is fighting the virus but you also need antibiotics to fight against uh, other infections but generally speaking yeah try to avoid antibiotics if you can yeah but my wife 
has this little splinter in her hand. I've been trying to convince her to see a doctor about it. But she has been also very reluctant. She doesn't trust doctors as well. And I kind of understand that. But at the same time, it's just she... I think it, most of the time it doesn't bother her, but she sometimes just uses it as an excuse to get out of things. It's like, no, my hand hurts. I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, and one of the things is rock climbing. Like uh, she, she likes to say that she's a rock climber, but um, so I make this joke about her. And I say like, I said I'm a rock climber. I didn't say anything about climbing. You know, <laughs> she she never climbs. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, it's just, yeah, I, I wish she, we could just pull it out or fix it. I don't know what it is, but normally splinters don't really bother you, right? But hers kind of bothers her sometimes. Yeah. More comments. I love it. Oh, on a serious note, if there's inflammation, might be a good idea to get an anti-inflammatory anti ointment for it. Or if it's more like a muscle pull... Stuff like deep heat and salon pass ought to help. Yeah, I think you're right. Because uh, this one time I hurt my finger and it was all messed up. And even today, it's still kind of messed up. Like I have this this finger, the, the ring finger on my right hand. It cannot straighten as much as my other fingers. Like my other fingers can kind of straighten pretty, um, pretty normally. But this one, yeah, it's, it's kind of messed up. And it was really bad um, when I had the injury, when I fell and landed on my finger all wrong. That joint was kind of messed up. But uh, yeah, I had to go through a lot of uh, physiotherapy and a lot of it was the heat treatment and uh, the deep heat, yeah, along with icing as well. So it's kind of a hot and cold thing. It's like ice to reduce the swelling, and then the heat to promote blood circulation. Yeah. It's kind of strange, you know, when you think about it. It's like, it needs to be cold, but it also needs to be hot. When I was younger, I had this thing that, like my doctor called a sensitive nose. Basically what it was, I think, basically it's just the sinuses are very active, very sensitive. They're just overworking all the time. And so I always had a runny nose uh, when I was younger. And one doctor said there's a permanent treatment for it. Until today, I never really looked into it and I never took the treatment. But um, basically, he was describing the treatment and it was, I don't know what the treatment is called. Um, uh, or I don't remember what the treatment is called. But basically, it's heated needles uh, that go into... I think the sinuses and kind of shrink that part of your sinuses and reduce the size so that they are not as efficient or as uh, effective. They don't work as much and that reduces the condition. And uh, I almost went for it. And then in the end, I kind of backed out of it. I kind of chickened out of it because... I think at that time I was running a lot. I was starting to run like, not not like the way people run nowadays, like everybody runs a marathon, right? But then, but that, back then I was running like 10K. So I was like, yeah, I kind of enjoy this running thing. Uh, I was only like 18, I think, or 19. But 
like the doctor didn't mention like any um like he was just selling the the treatment and then like uh when it was like at the last minute when we were about to decide to go for it i decided to ask this question which was like um like i was trying to think of like what what is the question that i need to ask here and then the question that i decided to ask was like um will i still be able to run after the treatment and he said um it's best to take about six months off after the treatment from any strenuous exercise and i'm like oh my god like this is a pretty major thing and you didn't tell me and you only told me at the last minute because i asked the right question what if i didn't ask the right question what if i didn't think to ask this question right so i kind of backed out of it and since then i kind of developed a mistrust a distrust of doctors i just feel like when i'm seeing a doctor i have to be super prepared it's like a job interview almost like i have to think of what are the questions i need to ask uh, uh, i have to go in with a game plan you know i yeah pat fern says same i think you should stop rock climbing you keep falling and hurting yourself finger ankle oh yeah actually no that day i actually hurt my finger no the other the this this finger that i hurt uh isn't from rock climbing it is actually very embarrassing i was running up the stairs and i tripped <laughs> and i fell and i kind of landed awkwardly on the edge of one of the steps on my hand and it kind of messed up my finger so it was a uh, yeah it was a uh, embarrassing uh, uh not a very macho sport injury <laughs> it's more like a klutzy injury um but the other day i actually pulled one finger i don't know if i kind of press really hard like this on my this hand ring finger well, actually today it doesn't feel so bad but um it's slightly get, it's getting better but on the first day when it happened also on that same day um i could feel this feeling like something is wrong all the way up my arm um yeah i pulled i pulled a finger too hard and i didn't warm up enough um yeah so i i think you might be right pat friend maybe i have to rethink this rock climbing thing maybe maybe my time is up you know uh maybe i have to uh take up something a bit more age appropriate but i don't know what to do <laughs> yeah ah richard says ah i think the hot and cold treatment plus physio might have been to break up internal scar tissue and regain range ah okay i only learned about internal scar tissue over the recent years it's been heavily overlooked uh, before this Yes, I think so as well. Even now, it's not perfect. It's still got a lot of scar tissue that I, I never really, um, I think I never really fixed this. I I didn't fix it early enough. So now, the finger is kind of strong, and the joints is kind of aligned properly. But um, I think there's some a lot of scar tissue, or there's something that's preventing me from straightening all the way. Um, so it's. It's just my muscles are short now, and I just gotta live with it. And yeah, it's it's not a part of your body that you really need 
like super like a lot of flexibility anyway so yeah i just can't i can straighten my fingers up to almost straight i guess like yeah it's not as flexible as the other fingers but it's fine i just use these things to grip things right so uh, pat fern says yes that's it the only thing that eventually does is make you sneeze more easily my uncle did it huh wow so your uncle did it and it actually makes him sneeze even more is that what happened pat fern okay the the treatment right I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that treatment is something from the early '90s. Was uh, was that around that time when I was thinking about doing it? Was it early '90s? It was probably 1990, I think. The question, Doctor, is your boat payment due? <laughs> Jimmy Earl says, "Yeah." So. Yeah, I think what you're saying here, Jimmy, is that doctors uh, have the incentive of wanting you to take the treatment because uh, <laughs> because they get money out of it, right? So it's it's their paycheck, of course. Both my ankle ligaments have scar tissue. I can no longer play soccer, and when I go hiking, I gotta be really careful, or I can tear the ligaments again. Oh my god! Okay, sorry to hear that, Pat friend. Um. Yeah, that's yeah that that's pretty. I don't know if that's what's. I mine is just a sprained ankle, I think. But uh, yeah, I haven't gotten back full mobility. Uh, but it's just been six days, right? Is it six five days? It's just been five days since uh since that fall. Uh, so uh. We'll see. We'll give it another week and we'll see how it goes. Um, but I I also don't want to just not use the ankle at all as well. I'm scared that I would lose mobility or lose flexibility if I just, uh, you know, am super careful and don't use the whole ankle at all. I, I don't know which way to go some, sometimes. Yeah, because when you're young, it's different, right? You get an injury and you put your hand in a cast and then it's like all your muscles gone and then you just do the physiotherapy and you build your muscles back very easily um i don't know if that works when you're old or maybe maybe i think the i think doctors give you the same treatment whether you're young or old it's like okay sprained ankle this is the treatment i think it's just a textbook thing that applies to everybody regardless of their age, which I don't know if it's true, but I, I suspect that that is how they do it. And uh, I don't think that is how they should do it. I don't know. Maybe more research needs to be done. Like if you're old, if you're above this age, yeah, maybe this, this is as good as it gets. And uh, if you're young, maybe this is the better treatment. Yeah, and also depends on what the, what uh, the patient wants as well, right? It's like sometimes, sometimes I think doctors they just think about okay, what is the safest thing, and then they do it, and then uh, and then they tell you, yeah, for the rest of your life, uh, you just uh, no more hiking, you know. 
doctor, you were gonna tell me this earlier. Like, no, this is the best, this is the best option for you. I decided for you. Uh Pat Front says it's okay, shit happens, deal with it. That's my motto. Okay. Yeah, still, yeah. Sim, I totally feel you on the mistrust. I got LASIK done only later to find out from other doctors that I was not a good candidate. My night vision is now a permanent LSD trip. Oh my God. I'm so sorry to hear that, Richard. I have one friend. Uh, I have this interesting friend. She, there's two stories about her actually. One is about LASIK. She did LASIK and she had the same experience as you, uh, Richard. In the sense that she, um, she was also later. She also later found out that she um, was not a good candidate for LASIK, and yeah, it. She had a lot of complaints. Like she wished she didn't do it, or she wished she didn't do LASIK with that particular doctor. Uh, yeah, she really regrets that one decision she made um and then the other thing is uh, about my friend is that her name is karen and uh, she's having a tough time because uh, everybody's making fun of karen's nowadays uh yeah so she she's thinking like yeah should she change her name or you know should she just uh, have a nickname go by a nickname uh, she lives in australia now so she instead of Karen, she goes by the Australian nickname, which is uh, Kaza, right? Because um, that's how Australians roll. It's like Warren, Waza, Karen, Kaza. You know, um, that's that's just how they how they make the nicknames. Oh, chess. Cat <laughs> friend says I should take up chess. Uh, I don't mind actually. I I was never good at chess. Uh, I think when I was a kid, I kind of fooled myself into thinking I was pretty decent at it. And then my friends, uh, my friends got really good at chess. And then I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I realized like I was really mediocre in it. And then uh, I never really played that much of it. But I can still beat my son uh, because, uh, yeah, just purely based on I have me having a longer attention span, I think. But I think if he really puts his, um, if he really plays it a lot, like within a week, he will be better than I can ever be, I think. Yeah. Or, or maybe in like two weeks, I'm pretty sure. Because kids learn really fast, these kind of things. Uh, Joseph, no, of course not. <laughs> climbing safest sport in the world um i think yeah but some people say some people say that um with other sports if you have an accident uh you get injured with climbing if you have an accident you will fall to your death uh some people have said that and in a way it's a little bit true in the sense that um, if you really make some mistakes, you, you got to make sure you don't make any mistakes with your safety equipment. With your, um, all the safety things is basically has to be 100% all the time. Um, if you're doing, I'm, I'm still scared 
um, Joseph, now that we now that you're here and you're a climber and you talk a bit more uh, in detail about climbing, I'm still scared to do a multi pitch. I haven't done many. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm afraid that I might make some safety mistakes because it is very different from doing a single pitch climb. A single pitch is basically um, your rope is long enough to go all the way up and all the way down. So um, it's pretty safe. So you can climb up to, let's say your rope is 60 meters. You climb up uh, to the anchor, which is 30 meters off the ground, or usually less, probably like to keep it safe, they put it at like 28 meters so that if there's any discrepancies, if you think your rope is 60 meters, but it's, um, you know, really... 58 meters, you won't get into trouble. Um, yeah, so usually, let's say 30 meters up, you climb up, you make sure you don't make any mistakes with your knots, uh, and then you set up the anchor for the next climber. Uh, then when you guys are all done climbing, you someone has to go up and um, do everything safely and put the rope through the ring so that he can climb back down and then, I mean, not uh, be lowered back down. And then when everybody is safely on the ground, you just pull the rope back uh, to the ground through the ring. This is for, um, Joseph, you know all this already, but this is for the other um, people. Multi-pitch climb, you climb up to the anchor, and then um, you're, so you're the lead climber, meaning you're the first climber. And then uh, your second climber climbs up to where you are, and then either uh, he starts to belay you and you continue climbing. So you guys have to swap. Or sometimes um, for convenience, maybe some people feel like, okay, uh, instead of swapping, you keep on belaying your second climber and he, keep continues, he or she continues climbing to the next anchor, which is another, let's say, 25, 30 meters from the first anchor and now like if there's anything happens and you need to lower back down you can only lower back to the first anchor and then you got to make sure that you don't make any mistakes you set up everything again and then you lower back to the ground from there so there is a lot more uh, opportunities for mistakes i guess um, yeah so everything has to be planned properly um, you're, you're very alone out there, just you and your partner uh, or you and your group. Because when you're on the ground, if you have any questions about anything, you can always ask other climbers who are on the ground, who are climbing on the routes next to you. When you're up there on the first anchor or second anchor or third anchor, um, you're pretty much on the wall, belaying your partner by yourself. Uh, yeah, and there's no backup. So yeah, I'm a little bit, still a little bit scared of multi-pitch climbs, but uh, I think I'll still do them, but I'll have to be, I'll have to make sure I am super careful, I'm super um, aware of all the knots, not that I'm not, um, of all the safety procedures, uh, very familiar with them, and also super on the ball, super uh, alert, mentally, yeah. 
yeah so <laughs> that was a really long-winded way of explaining that cool uh if she also regrets her lazy decision because the dog himself was a dick to start with i think he may have been the same guy <laughs> oh man Rishat. yeah it's possible right plus she did do it in malaysia and yeah now she lives in australia and she very often wishes she didn't do the LASIK until she migrated to Australia. I think a lot of times she did feel that, yeah. Ah, okay. Joseph says, just don't boulder. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I regret bouldering, man. I, I mean, I don't regret bouldering, but I think I regret like taking, not taking it seriously because the bouldering... I really have to take it carefully, uh, especially at this stage. And I think last year I was bouldering pretty hard uh, because I was bouldering with the kids, right? Like Max, Max was like in top form last year before the MCO. Uh, and uh, Alexis, she is like a beast. And I'm bouldering with these kids and they're, they're bouldering like V6, V7. And I'm like at least trying to do the V, you know, the V4s and V5s. And at one point I was bouldering really hard and I start to feel the strain in my elbows, uh, which is something that like kids would never understand. It's like, why, why would you feel strain in your elbows? Why not your fingers, right? It's always the fingers, right? But um, at our age, um, the elbows also feel very stiff after you boulder very hard. Um, just all anything that has joints in it is like needs time to recover. Uh, Andrew Kitts says, one day I want to learn to rock climb. Yes. And uh, yeah, you can come out and uh, uh, I can I can show you the ropes. <laughs> okay. That was a stupid pun. Uh, quickly get Sifu Sim to teach you before he retires. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's funny. I... Yeah, I, I don't mind showing people um, how to do rock climbing, especially outdoors. Um, although, uh, I think for people who are beginning, uh, really starting from the beginning, uh, indoors have the easiest climbs. Outdoors, even the easiest climbs uh, are a little bit hard. Um, and then bouldering is just a whole different thing. That's why when when I went to Penang, um, there's the hangout gyms, right? The first one was just all bouldering. And then we had some friends come over to meet us. And uh, they had just uh, these two kids, these two young girls. Um, one was a teenager. One was uh, like nine years old, I think, or eight years old. And so I was like showing them like, okay, you can do this climb and this climb. And then I looked around and I'm like, oh, basically there's very little climbs here that they can do, you know. Um, so basically I just showed them like two climbs that they could do or three. And the rest of them was just not really beginner friendly because bouldering is it's not as easy for people who are in their first let's say, month of climbing is, is pretty hard, right? Would you agree, Joseph? Uh, yeah. 
I like the V6. The power is just so intense. Oh, you're talking about the the V6 engine. Yeah. Um, climbing has very strange grading systems. There is the French grade. There is the American grade, and then there's the British one, and then there's one for just for bouldering. The the ones with the V is just for bouldering. And in Malaysia, I think we use the French grade. We're used to that. Um, but yeah, it's and it's it's also not really universal as well. It's very hard to translate like uh, like the American grades, right? Or the Yosemite grades, I think they call it. Like what a five five twelve is, uh, yeah, compared to uh, French grade uh, is maybe a six C. I don't know, but basically it's like their meanings are different as well. Like some grades rate the whole climb uh, as one grade, and then some grades only rate the hardest part of the climb. So yeah, it's kind of tricky to translate them. Okay, a lot of useless information that you guys don't need. But I I, I liked what you said. Um, you like the V6, the power is just so intense. And if it is a short stroke, the power really is at a touch. So um, what's the difference between, like I always hear about the V8, right? That's the, the muscle cars have V8 engines, right? So that's, I guess, the V is the shape of the engine the the angle of the pistons and uh, so six is six cylinders right six pistons um so what is better v6 or v8 i guess v8 is a bigger engine or generally it is a bigger engine or yeah i don't know maybe it doesn't have to be a bigger engine right the capacity uh, can be smaller and still have like more cylinders i don't know the cylinders would have to be smaller i i don't know anything about engines i'm just talking out of my ass uh the power response that is yeah true so you guys know do you guys know a lot about cars i i don't really know that much about cars and i think the the interesting thing is also maybe all the stuff that we know about combustion engines uh maybe in 10 years time might be obsolete as well because uh, electric cars might be the common thing right and uh, maybe even self-driving cars i was thinking one time that maybe in my son's generation or my grandson's generation uh, steering might be a, th a skill that is um, not necessary it might be a thing of the past you know what i mean because teslas can steer themselves so you know how like um even shifting gears right it's not a common it's not common skill anymore like a lot of people just just learn how to drive with an automatic so um using a clutch using a shift stick uh, a stick shift is not really something that everybody knows like uh, in the old days everybody knows how to do that right Maybe in the future, steering might also be something that only old people know how to do. You know what I mean? Okay, Pat Friend is uh, going to teach me this one. Pat Friend says, V configuration is the pistons are at a 90, oh, at 90 degrees. Okay. Uh, six or eight is just the number of cylinders. At the end, the capacity is 
main issue. Yeah, so bigger capacity, more powerful. Uh, but um, number of cylinders doesn't mean a V8 is necessarily a bigger engine than a V6, right? Yeah, I get it. See, I, I knew this, I knew this. <laughs> Andrew Kidd says, self-driving cars in the future will be like in the movie iRobot. I <coughs> distinctly remember this scene, uh, Andrew. Um, in the movie, because I, I think the movie was based on something, some short story, right? That uh, Isaac Asimov wrote. But uh, the short story isn't really like a, that comprehensive story like in the movie. But I, I distinctly remember this moment in the movie when uh, the main character, Will Smith, right? He wanted to steer the car manually and the car was like, oh my God, are you crazy? Are you sure you want to do this? It's like, uh, yes, override. It's like, override the, the automatic steering. And it's like, there's no way a human can steer, you know, in this kind of traffic because the the car was doing it automatically, but it was doing it really precisely, right? And uh, for a human, human wouldn't have, uh, a human would not have the same uh reflexes maybe or the the human and the interface uh, what do you say the user interface and the response time would not be as fast as the computer handling the car by itself but uh that's that was what our hero wanted at that moment and uh, so the in the, the car was very reluctant but like let him do it um but yeah that was a good movie i like that one a lot of people hated it though, I think. I don't know. You can have a V4. I've never heard of a V4. Uh, v configuration four cylinder. The old Volkswagen Beetle is an opposed four engine. It was the original engine for the Porsches. Uh, it's opposed. Does that mean a flat engine? Uh, means the, the pistons go this way. Because I've heard of flat six before. Yeah. I think the, I think that's what it means, right? Yeah. And if I'm right, that means I know a thing or two about cars. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about cars. Okay, where's my phone? I wanted to look at my notes. Uh, what else did I want to talk about? I, well, I'm not done talking about Penang, guys. I, yeah, um, I was, as we were crossing the bridge, right, I was telling my son about the good old days when this bridge didn't exist and the other bridge didn't exist and we had to cross to visit my uncle on, uh, actually my uncle lived on Butterworth, but we, we would pick him up and then we would go to Penang, Penang Island uh, and we went, we would have to drive our cars onto the ferry. And that was quite an experience. And actually my son had that experience, not in Penang, but uh, in New Zealand, when we were going from North Island to South Island. Yeah, we had to drive our rented car onto the ferry. 
and um yeah it, it was kind of the same except the ferries were i think more modern and uh, bigger um yeah but it was an interesting experience i so yeah i've turned into one of these guys who <laughs> tell my son like in the good old days this doesn't exist you guys have it easy you guys don't know how good you have it yeah i'm turning into that guy man uh pat friend says yes flat oppose also known as boxster oh okay so it's called a boxster engine just like the car right but then the car also looks like a box maybe that's that's a different thing <laughs> i told you we're gonna catch out you yeah um okay let's see the, the penang what has happened in penang last year last year at exactly this time as well uh, this time of the year we were in penang as well but that was for the georgetown festival because last year we were trying to sell off uh, some of my, uh, my the card game that my son made um so there was this part of the Georgetown Festival that was just um, um, uh, kind of a board game, card game convention, for especially for local um, board game makers. Um, yeah, that's, it's quite a community of uh, local board game makers. Uh, and we know quite a few of them. Uh, because you know my wife Seeming, she she knows how to find people, uh, and uh, so yeah, we we made friends with uh, that whole community. There's lots of interesting games coming out of Malaysian makers, um, but the games haven't really. Um, I guess they're kind of like independent, in the sense that they have never really been um, widely sold worldwide yet. But uh, some games are very fun. Uh, like the like the lepak game, you know, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, my son was selling his cards at that. Um, he had a booth at that convention, and so Georgetown Literary Literary Festival, right? George or Georgetown Festival, basically we call it, and actually it's Georgetown Festival, right? Yeah. And this year they are not having the Georgetown Festival because, uh, yeah, because of the pandemic and nobody's gonna go, right? And uh, you're not supposed to go out in big groups. I have to say that Penang, from what I've noticed, which was very interesting, they have a much stricter social distancing. Like if you go to a restaurant, um, over here in Selangor or Kuala Lumpur, um, I don't even know what the rule is anymore, but basically most restaurants would let you sit anywhere you want. But in Penang, they're pretty serious about it. They're like, oh no, you can't sit at the places that have marked X. Basically, like if you go in with your family, like we, we went everywhere we went, there was four of us, right? Me, and my wife, Siming. Uh, my son, Max, and my father-in-law. So the four of us would have to take up two tables a lot of the time because each table, they only allow two people to sit. And uh, yeah, so like even my friend with his family, 
he was celebrating his daughter's uh, birthday and they had to sit at separate tables and he was like, uh, but we come from the same house. <laughs> but that, that, that's the rules, you know, they're like, they're like, no, those are the rules and we're going to stick to them. Which, yeah, I guess it's kind of, um, it's kind of uh, cool. It's kind of, I mean, in a way, it doesn't make sense that you're like, okay, you come from the same house. You, you have obviously had close contact with each other, but over here, uh, you're not allowed to. So that part of it, you could say it doesn't make sense. But at the same time, um, you don't know, right? I mean, if you allow people to break the rules, then people coming from different houses are going to break the rules, which admittedly, we have done the same with our friends. You know, They live in a separate house. We live in this house. And then we normally don't have really close contact with each other until we meet at a restaurant. And then we all sit together at a table. So that's not good. If we are going to take social distancing seriously, right? So yeah, kudos to Penang for uh, doing that. And uh, and now they uh, they lost their green state status, right? Because they had one new case which actually came from the the Kedah restaurant. That's a, I think Nasi Kanda restaurant in Kedah, was it? They call it the Siva Ganga Cluster. So apparently the owner of the restaurant, uh, he broke quarantine and he went to work anyway. And uh, of course we we think about it and we're like, what goes through the minds of someone like that? I guess they are in denial. They think like, ah, oh, yeah, it's not going to happen to me. And then when he, when he is positive, you know, he's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm not going to spread it to anyone. It's not, it's not going to happen. And then he does, right? So yeah, I think uh, everybody should just, yeah, I don't know. The, it's going to fall in deaf ears, I guess, whatever we say. So, and then, uh, and then one of the people who, uh, who got COVID from that cluster went to a Hari Raya uh, celebration. And yeah, I, I don't even want to think about how many people he he would have infected. He must have shook hands with a hundred people or something. So yeah, it's gonna in two weeks' time. It's gonna be a huge spike in the numbers, uh, especially in Kedah, I guess. Yeah, Kedah, Perlis, and Penang, I think. So yeah, so everybody just uh, be careful and don't let your gut down. I guess uh, remember the remember the. Um, the earliest days of the MCO or the quarantine or the uh, what's the one that they call in Jimmy what's the one that they call in California um, uh, home what was it stay at home order right yeah so yeah remember those early days back in March uh, when we would just wash our hands all the time, we should still be doing that. And I think I did let my gut down a little bit if, I, if I'm uh, thinking uh, objectively about it. I think like I don't wash uh, until I thought about it recently. I actually don't wash my hands as many times as I used to, and, and I should. Uh, okay, where are we with the comments? Uh, 
Okay, Andrew Kid says so. Penang same same burning hot like hell. Oh man, the the weather was really hot as well. Yeah, the weather has just been really hot, and I thought it was Penang. And uh, you know, we we passed by Taiping, and you know, Taiping is just this magical place that has just it's just always a few degrees cooler than other places. So that's what we like about Taiping, right? That's what everybody likes about Taiping. And even Taiping. It was like typing felt normal, and then we, we went from typing to Penang, and then it was like, oh, this is really hot. Penang is a really hot place. And then when we came back from Penang, and then we realized like, wow, KL is even hotter. So yeah, it's just the whole country is hot now. It's just the uh, that's the climate or the weather right now this time of year. It's really hot. Uh. Yeah, my aircon bill is going to be expensive, man. I'm just blasting it. Uh, sprain ankle. What else am I going to talk about? Oh, yeah, I met my friend. Uh, yeah, that, that friend that we met for tea time, right? Um, yeah, just yeah, just catching up with friends. But it's, it's hard to catch up with friends uh, in Penang as well because like they have to sit at a different table. So it's kind of like, it's a little bit like... Um, like I don't know. Um, what was what's that thing? Is it speed dating or that that thing where I've never been to one, but I heard. I think my wife might have been to one, or that she went to one that was for um networking. I think where it's like. Yeah, I think, I think she did go to speed dating once, and uh, she was doing it as a goof. I think this was way before she, we we were dating. And uh, basically, you rotate and you talk to someone else and you rotate and you talk to someone else. It felt a little bit like that in that my wife would sit with them and talk to them. But then the, the owner of the cafe didn't allow uh, more than three people at a table. And even three people was kind of uh, uh, pushing it because he's like, if the authorities show up, make sure you guys move to another table. And then we're only allowed to have two at a table. So even three at a table was kind of pushing it, and then he would four was just out of the question. It's like he was not gonna allow it. So um, so me, my father-in-law, and Max were sitting at a separate table, and then we would swap, so that I got to talk to him, my, our friend as well. So it was kind of like taking turns, um, yeah, talking, and uh, my friend is actually writing a book on the founder of Ban Hin Lee Bank, I think. Uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's his thing, that um, his project. And uh, yeah, I, I used to sell unit trust funds for Ban Hin Lee Bank as well. And then they became Southern Bank and then they became CIMB Bank, right? Um, but yeah, in the first couple of months that I was selling for them, they were called Ban Hindi Bank. And I was a really bad unit trust salesman because uh, I didn't believe in any of the training. <laughs> I would, you're you're kind of, it's compulsory training, right? You have to go for the training and then the trainers would kind of, for lack of a better word, brainwash you. And then they would give you these examples of how like, uh, you know, if you just, convince your clients to put in money every month um, a fixed amount it's called dollar cost averaging and uh, 
and um, I will show you an example of how it works and then he shows an example and of course it's magical and um, at the end they made money right and I understand the principle but at the same time I was like uh, putting my hand up you know I was like uh, but your example in your example the market is really volatile the normal market is pretty flat you know so this is really um, an extreme case that you chose as an example. And also uh, your client sold at the peak, <laughs> which is not always possible. In fact, a lot of the times you, you don't know where the peak is, right? So um, yeah, it's a really extreme example that he chose. And I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. But uh, so I, I was not, never really good at selling because... Uh, you kind of have to believe, right? You kind of have to believe in the church if you're going to be a good missionary. Right? And well, so I, I wasn't a good, um, I wasn't a good uh, believer. So I wasn't a good salesperson. Uh, yeah, so other people would like, they would just believe and then they would go and regurgitate this propaganda to their clients and then they would actually go to bed pretty happy with themselves thinking that they've done a good thing for their client or their friend or their family member and I always was really cynical about it and so I was kind of like um, other people were like no buy this this is really good for you and I was like kind of like uh, yeah you could buy this if you want to but you know there's risk and um, it's really up to you <laughs> Just the worst salesperson you could ever hope to have, really. Yeah, so that those were my Ban Hinli or Southern Bank uh, sales days. Okay, comments. Jimmy Earl says, you and your wife speed dating. You Malaysians know how to party. Um, no, I, I never went for a speed dating. But I kind of have an idea of how it works because my wife did go for a speed dating thing one time. And yeah, I think she was using it to network. She was kind of doing it as a goof. And uh, um, yeah, but this was like way before we started dating. Yeah, so... Um, it wasn't it wasn't like oh, we're married and she goes speed dating, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not what you think, Jimmy Earl. No, she had to slow down for him. Yeah, that's true, man. She's way too fast for me. The ankle, that's right. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Sim swinger tong. Yeah, no, no, no. That's so it's not what you think, Jimmy Earl. It's not like um we're married. And then we go speed dating. Uh, I don't know. Would that be fun? I I think it would throw too many kinks into the relationship. Every time you got into an argument, it's like, remember that time you went speed dating? You know, somebody would bring that up, and uh, <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a good thing to do. Uh, no matter how you want to spice up your marriage, I think. Uh, yeah, we we're pretty boring people. We don't do stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, speaking of which, uh, I think some of you guys have heard me complain about this before, but uh, so you know, there's this uh, 
There's this uh, website called wish.com and they sell pretty dodgy. Uh, pretty much they sell a lot of sex toys, right? And I didn't know this, but they, they appeared on my feed on Facebook. Like their sponsored ad appeared on Facebook. And they were selling some something and I was looking at it. And I forgot what it was, but it was like, I was like, this looks like a sex toy. Is that a sex toy? And I was curious, right? So I'm like, but the description doesn't say anything. It, it was like, uh, there was like a little hook with like metal balls on it or something. And I was like, is that a sex toy? I don't know what that is, but it looks pretty kinky. Yeah, just some stainless steel thing, I think. I don't know. I don't even remember what it was, but I think that might have been what it was. So I clicked on it. And then, uh, yeah, it was like a, like some anal bead thing. <laughs> and and, uh, and I was like, oh, okay. So uh, so that confirms it, you know, uh, this, this is a sex time. But it's just curiosity, right? So I was like, okay. And then... It's like every time it appears, every time the sponsor ad appears on my Facebook feed, they're just like, oh, okay, we know what you like. You know, you, you're still interested in, in the anal beads. You you want some uh, anal lube, you know. How about a gimp mask? How about a ball gag, you know? How about a, a, a vibrating dildo? <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> I, I, I just have to like be very careful when I, whenever I surf on Facebook on my phone to see if anybody else is looking over my shoulder or you know so just something crazy that uh that happens on the internet i guess uh, jimmy earl says i told my wife once i think that girl was checking you out last time i said that bad idea she read right through me <laughs> well it was a it was a good it was a good try i guess um like we guys think we're very slick, right? But then it's like we gotta give women credit. They they're gonna see right through it, right? It's wow, this podcast took a drastic turn. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that that wish.com thing is something real that happened, but uh I've been doing it as a bit and you guys heard a bit, right? Um but the, the the version that I'm telling now is probably closer to the truth. The in the bit I just I just um sim oversimplify it. Um, but yeah, this kind of things happen, right? And then uh, you can you can so in the internet age you can so easily get into trouble without even trying. Is what I'm trying to say. It's not like I was surfing porn or anything. Not that I'm saying I don't surf porn, but like you could just be doing something out of curiosity and it's like is that is that a collar and then it's like is that a dog collar and then all of a sudden it's like oh it's a slave collar oh here here's some anal beads you know here's a vibrating dildo here's a maid's costume and a nurse costume and you're like oh man oh yeah that's what i wanted to oh man that's what i wanted to talk about uh, when i went and I talked about um, the Georgetown Festival. So we were at the gaming convention uh, last year, right? And so that was when this guy, he, one of the booths were giving out little um, Warhammer miniatures. They were giving out like Warhammer 40K miniatures and also Warhammer Age of Sigma 
Age of Sigma miniatures. The Age of Sigma is kind of a um, fantasy world, and uh, 40K is kind of a science fiction world with space marines and things like that. So, um, and then you get to you you got to paint them. You know, you got to borrow their paintbrush and uh, and uh, their little paints and paint a miniature at their booth, which was very fun. So me and my son did that, and it was kind of a really good sales tactic like he was giving away this thing and it was a nice experience he got to paint the thing and then after that he he taught my son how to play the game with the one miniature that he had just the one miniature he just had a mini game and then my son got hooked a little bit and then we bought like a set of uh warhammer age of sigma miniatures to play with and those little plastic things are super expensive you know it's like it's like if you break it down, each piece is like 10 ringgit. So like to have a decent squat, it's really expensive. And then you got to buy the paintbrush and the paints and everything. But we got into it pretty, um, I wouldn't say heavily, but we got into the hobby and then my son decided he wasn't into it. So I was, I was like, okay, I'm just going to paint all these miniatures. But I was still kind of like, because they are his miniatures. So I was asking him how, how, like, what colors would he choose? And then he would be like, oh, how about silver and red? Which is different from uh, the box art, right? The box, there's actually um, rules. And according to the rules, like, if you painted this squad, then they get this bonus. If you painted that squad, they get that bonus. But we were just going to paint it our own color and just have fun with it, right? And just kind of, assume that they are the regular space marines um and usually if your opponent is okay with it then they're okay with it then it's fine and usually they're okay with it unless they're trying to be a dick and say no you painted it um silver and red you know the the hammers of sigma are gold and blue you can't do that and then like you can't have a game right so, but anyway, yeah. So we were painting it silver and red and white. And I was kind of like doing most of the painting because I'm really anal. I'm like, we paid so much money for this. We can't screw it up, right? Which totally defeats the whole, you know, letting a child learn thing. But I was like, this is really expensive. So yeah, we were painting it together, but he didn't really have that much patience. He would come in and paint a little one or two miniatures, or or help me out with one or two. Uh, and then I was doing probably like 80% of the painting. And then I was trying out different ones. And then there was this one that was like, okay, what color should the shoulder pads, they have these bulky shoulder pads, right? Like a part of the armor. I was like, what if we paint that? And then they have like this middle portion that's kind of like, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's basically like a leather... Um, piece kind of like um, like a blacksmith would have kind of like an apron so I decided to paint that part white and then the rest of the the, the their leather armor or their metal armor was red and silver and the shoulder pads were silver and there was this bunch of uh, troops that kind of looked like um, I was like this is not a good paint scheme because like it kind of looked like French mates and then my son was like, what is a French mate? And I'm like, oh, God. And I just knew at that moment, like, I'd fucked up, you know? Because it's like, like, 
I, I cannot explain like, why we shouldn't paint them as French maids, right? Um, but then at the same time, it's like, okay, even if I don't explain, I'm like, yeah, just forget about it. But I, I knew I fucked up because like, I knew that this is the age of the internet. He's going to Google it, right? And the first, the first 10 pages of French maid is not going to have anything to do with house cleaning. You know that, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So I, yeah. So I wanted to tell you guys that story. Um, and it's, it's funny to me, but it's such a long-winded story that is so specific and needs such a long setup that I never really told it as a joke before. But I wanted to share it with you guys. Yeah, so that that was why I was going into that that whole uh, Georgetown Festival thing. I I knew there was a point to it, and then uh, yeah. Ah <laughs> oh, man, okay. Since we've been hanging out when Sim does his podcast, when has it ever gone the way he wants it to? <laughs> no, it never does. <laughs> That's right, Pat Friend, it never does. Uh, Jimmy Earl says, we went from Penang culinary experience to anal beats and lube. <laughs> uh, yes, that's that's how this podcast works. Um, it's the beauty of ugly, right? Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> Um, so Pat says exactly. And then Jimmy Earl says, uh, vibrating dildos to, uh, painting action figures. Yeah. Yeah. They're miniatures, French meats. <laughs> uh, those meats do a good job on pipes. So I've heard, uh, says Pat Fern Uh, yes, I've heard the same thing, Pat Fern. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So. That was a little thing I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, what else did we, yeah. Wanted to talk about the Siva Ganga cluster. Um, yeah, it, so it is, the, the COVID situation is, um, I guess it, it was uh, something that happened that puts us on our guard. Some, we needed something to, remind us to be, you know, careful. Like, I think we were letting our guards down. Um, and I was in Penang, and one of the people who were infected, one of the known people, at least, who were infected, actually did go to Penang. So um, Penang has at least one case that is that we know of. Yeah. So I hope I don't have covid but uh, I haven't gotten a phone call yet, you know, and uh, they are very good with contact tracing in Penang. And like, you, they won't let you into a place unless you sign in, uh, either with uh, the <clears throat> either with the Nationwide My Sajatra app or with the Penang Care app, or sign in manually on their book. Yeah, that was the other problem with the the restaurant owner who who. He was infected. Uh, this was the guy in Kedah. He was infected. He went to his restaurant. He infected his other, his um, customers, probably his workers as well. And, and then when the authorities went to ask him about the records that he's been keeping, like uh, who were your customers, he didn't have the records. So yeah, so that was the other problem. He 
not only did he break quarantine, he also didn't follow the contact tracing uh, SOP and the procedures. So, yeah, that was really bad, really, really bad. And I think he didn't get fined a lot of money for it. Uh, yeah. So what did I eat in Penang? Um, we went to, okay, and, and this is not an exhaustive list, but I, in the first few days, I did write down a list of uh, things that we did eat. We ate, uh, my wife really liked this uh, duck meat kuei tiao soup in the Ciso Road Market on this store called the Lam Lai uh, kuei tiao soup. Uh, so we ate there twice, I think, or three times, yeah. Uh, Bukit Lanchang Market had also got a very nice cha kuei tiao, I forgot the name. So yeah, this is really bad bookkeeping, by the way. This is as a, like, I'll, I'll never be a good food blogger. Penang, oh yeah, that on Penang Road, there's this chendo, uh, there's this restaurant or this food court that has this chendo that people just queue up like all the time. And there's always a queue there and it's hard to get a table there and uh, um it's and then you have to queue up to to get the chendo it's just always a long queue there and we ate it and uh it wasn't anything special really <laughs> um it wasn't that great i i feel like it was pre pretty normal and nothing really special about it in fact um the chendo that we had in Telo intan has a pretty nice one that was better so i said that and uh yeah my wife agreed with me um, the funny thing also is that my, my father-in-law talks very loudly. And uh, so uh, quite a few times we would be, you know, try this cha kuei tiao, try this chendo, try this, uh, this uh, kuei tiao soup, try this or that. And uh, quite a few times he would exclaim very loudly like, the one in Telok Intan is better. And uh, I always feel a bit, like oh are we gonna get into a fight here is, is there gonna be an argument because like clearly the whole restaurant heard what he said <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's just something cute that he does that uh you just gotta laugh about uh yeah what else did i oh we went to the cafe that garu works at <clears throat> And uh, it's called Narrow Marrow. It's a pretty, it's a hipster cafe. And I had a toady there. So I think some of you guys saw my picture that I posted on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, yeah, basically, it, it, in the picture, it looks like a glass of barley. Uh, but actually, it's toady. It's, yeah, it's pretty nice. It's uh, sweet. I don't know if there's any artificial... Um, I mean, I don't know if there's any uh, sugar in it added to it, but it's it's pretty sweet. I guess the sweetness is from the coconut or the palm sugar. I don't know. I don't know if it's coconut or palm sugar, but it's toady and it kind of tastes like kind of tastes like a uh, sweet coconut. Yeah, I like it. It's sweet and uh, refreshing. And. Uh, we ate at this nasi kanda place called Tajuddin Hussein, which was, yeah, that was that was fun. That was uh, they normally have uh, 
they normally have goose curry there yeah but we they were sold out but so we just had the chicken and the mutton which was also very nice uh we ate some very nice balik pulau pinang laksa that our friend bought we were eating at her house uh and i have no idea where that one came from which stall so i can't tell you uh and then we ate dim sum in butterworth yeah uh so yeah i i know that we didn't eat all we were supposed supposed to eat if you go to penang because there's probably like 30 more places that we should have eaten at that like uh, people are tearing their hair like i can't believe you went to penang and you didn't eat at this stall and that stall and uh yeah you guys are just gonna have to get over it because uh <laughs> i i just feel like yeah sometimes there's just so much pressure right like people want you to go and try this out and and i think i i, I understand the good intention but also it's like we're on vacation we're supposed to just relax and go with the flow you know it's like if we're not heading in that direction then too bad you know <laughs> we're just gonna have to miss it give it a miss you know we don't have to see and eat everything yeah but that's just how i feel other people might feel different are you guys still talking about dildos here oh okay uh andrew kit says yums i love toady yeah i i don't know if the one that i tried is i would have to try a few more because uh, i don't know if the one that i had was particularly good because my father-in-law said he tried toady once and he hated it it just tasted horrible it, it smelled bad and tasted bad and i was like okay but this this tastes pretty good you know tastes kind of like coconut so i don't know maybe i had uh, one that is not typical maybe i didn't have a uh, the typical toady experience uh what else have i got here oh yeah then when we when we were in butterworth on the way back we had a photo shoot one photographer yeah my my wife wanted to have a photo shoot in this place called kampong agung which is just this touristy place i guess you go there to take photos and it's got nice scenery with some coconuts and uh, some um yeah some places like you like uh they have a lot of props there uh, just out in the open like um you can take a picture on the swing you can take a picture on a, on a seesaw you can take a picture on this bicycle that basically it's just chained and you can't ride it anywhere and uh, they've taken the chains you know that goes around the sprocket they've taken that out so you can't ride that bicycle so it's just there for you to take a picture so things like that um so it was pretty fun we went there my it's fun for my wife i guess my son hated it uh because he had to dress up and he he doesn't like to to dress up and yeah, he was just complaining about the heat, how uncomfortable uh, his clothes were, and uh, can we go now? Can we go now? And um, yeah, I had to try and figure out how to cheer him up. And he hated the photographer because he hated the experience. He hated the photographer. He just kind of like focused all his um, negativity on that guy, right? He's like, you are the cause of all this, which is not the right thing to do. 
but uh yeah i i don't know what's the what's the right thing to teach him here but i i kind of try to cheer him up and uh the photographer was like um uh, I, I figured i'd try to make him laugh and uh the photographer was wearing the face mask as well he was wearing it like this and his nose was you know it wasn't covering his nose and there is this meme on the internet and i think maybe many of you have seen it where it's like somebody made this meme basically it's like if you wear your mask with your nose sticking out your nose sticking out like that it is like wearing your underwear with your penis hanging out <laughs> so um so my son was super grumpy and he was like he wasn't having it with the heat and the it was particularly hot day, hot day as well. So I was like, um, "Okay, I'm gonna try to cheer you up." He's like, "How?" I'm like, uh, "Take a look at how um, the the photographer's the photographer's name is Max as well." Uh, I was like, "Take a look at how Max is wearing his mask." And my son took one look at it and he just burst out laughing because he knew exactly what I was referring to because like we both saw the same meme, right? Yeah, so that's how I relate to my son nowadays through memes. Um, yeah, so that was that was a funny moment, and uh, and then he and then he he was okay, you know. After that, he was just um, a bit more cheerful. I think I guess it's as much as I say, like uh, laughter is not the same as joy, right, or happiness, but. You can't really stay angry when you're laughing, right? Yeah. So yeah, it does have its uses. Angie is here. Hi, Angie. Um, I think, <laughs> and I know what you're gonna say, Jimmy Earl, but I think I might be done. Oh yeah, what am I gonna talk about next? Um, yes, Garu's show, right? So. Yeah, uh, earlier, uh, let's scroll way back, when, uh, what was it, Richard was it? Yeah, Richard, very early on, he said, Sim, you ditch your own online comedy show to perform on stage in Penang. Stephen Bones must be thinking, what lie you? Yeah, it's true. I So my own online comedy show was on Tuesday, and I could just, I could just about only watch it because, and I was I wasn't even using the hotel Wi-Fi. I was using my own mobile data to watch it, and that was all I could do. I couldn't go online with my computer. I brought my computer, but I couldn't go online with it. And so, yeah, I, I couldn't even be the the stream host. I had to ask uh, Stephen Bones to host it, and yeah. So he he was kind of doing double duty as the show host, but as also the button presser, uh, and and yeah. So I so that that was Tuesday. I could just be an audience member and just watch the stream, and then I was uh, I was laughing at all the jokes, and then <laughs> and then Stephen Bones was uh, was making fun of that. He's like, I hey, seem is the only one laughing. Like uh, is this a is this a bot? You know, because <laughs> I I was laughing. I was just ha 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 ha. Was, yeah, just typing in the same thing over and over again. Uh 
And then on Wednesday was Garu's show, which was very interesting because um, it wasn't just stand up the whole way through. Um, he had different segments. So it started off with stand up. I think I performed a few minutes and uh, who else performed? I think Washington performed and uh, Leon Bukowski, I think performed, right? Yeah. And he was performing from, uh, he was performing from the UK. Yeah, that's the other thing as well. I, I didn't realize that Leon actually had left already. I, I was thinking like, he's going to leave soon. Let's do a show with him. And then when I asked him, he said like, uh, um, August, um, no, he, he said like uh, July 28th, he's too busy that week. So he would go on on August 4th. Uh, I didn't realize what he meant was that he was busy packing up and leaving that week. And then on August 4th, he would have more time because he would be back home. Um, so yeah, he'd, he'd left already. So I, I didn't get to meet him. But I got to meet uh, Garu and Annie and Watson and Lucy and uh, one of their improv friends. Uh, what's his name? Elon. Yeah, like Elon Musk. Um, so yeah, very fun gang. And the show was interesting as well. So started off with stand-up and then they had um, like different segments. There was one segment that was just three people debating about their countries, like why their countries are the best. And then at some point, it seemed like they... They were just shitting on their own countries. <laughs> so there was uh, Syria and uh, New Zealand and Nigeria. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So at some point, they were just like shitting on each other's countries and then shitting on their own country. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then I think the thing was, in the end, it was like, um, who represented their country the best? And in the end, I think Nigeria won. Yeah, but there's no prize. It's just for bragging rights. Uh, and it's just for fun. It's, it's really, whenever you have a, like a little competition within a comedy show, it's like, it's not really, the point of it is not really to win, but to be funny. You know? Yeah, so that's, that's that. And then, uh, and then it went on to uh, Donald Trump answering questions or, or asking questions about uh, each of those countries as well and having a little chat with, uh, I think you guys watched the show, right? And uh, that, that was great. That, I think the Donald Trump segment was really funny. And uh, Donald Trump was was uh, hilarious and it was actually Washington. Washington, uh, really good job as Donald Trump. All the answers were so Trumpy. <laughs> hi, Angie. Uh, hi, everyone. Says Angie Kita. Just finished for the night. Crazy day at work. Customers coming in nonstop from 11.30 a.m. Wow. That sounds like a really busy day. Hi, yo. Don't anyhow simply press people's buttons. Some have a short fuse. <laughs> yeah, Angie. Um, I, I think that 
Yeah, I think you were referring to the buttons pressing, right? Uh, for the show, yeah. So Garu's show was interesting. And then uh, what was the last segment? Oh, the last segment was uh, Saiful's performance. So Saiful wrapped up the show nicely because uh, he had a, his act involves singing as well. So that's always fun, you know. Um, yeah, it's always a nice way to end, uh, end the show with some music and some laughs. Angie Kita says, when I saw Leon Bukowski on the Penang stream, I immediately associated his name with my favorite brewskis. Oh, okay. It's actually not his real name. Uh, I'm not going to say his real name, but uh, I think it's pretty safe to say his real name now, actually. But basically, he is... Um, he works in a school. Is it safe to say that? Um in a pretty prominent position and you know you know parents uh they will always find fault with teachers whenever they can so um he doesn't want to give them any excuse to like it's just better to use a stage name so in the comedy world he is leon bukowski leon is his favorite movie and bukowski is his favorite poet i think Russian does a pretty Trump if his diction was better, he would sound even more convincing. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, of course, uh, of course, um, having, yeah, ha uh, having to do it as uh, your second language um, is not so easy. Yeah. But I thought, very good job. Um, not, not just the impression, but also the answers that he chose. <laughs> Oh, really funny. Yeah. Okay, I think I've gone through all my notes. I've said everything I wanted to say. I'm not even sure if I missed anything. Yeah, I think that's it. I have no idea how to edit this thing down from like one hour and 45 minutes down to like... <laughs> down to like an hour or less than an hour. Uh, not that the length matters, but there's just so much that's just all over the place that could be edited out. But it takes so much work. So either I do it tomorrow or I just dump the whole thing in, right? Which is probably what I'm going to do. Uh, just clip a bit of the beginning and the begin uh, and the end and yeah. And that's it. This podcast is uh, getting worse and worse. Okay. Um, I think that's... Okay, then the other thing is also, I after this, I'm going to go check on my son because last night, he... I was streaming, right? I was reading news, doing the RNT, the reading news together stream. And I ended pretty late. And then I went upstairs and he's still waiting for me. You know, he hasn't... He hasn't showered. He hasn't gone to sleep yet. So I I think he's not getting enough sleep. That's my worry. Because um, I feel like if possible, I would like him to get at least nine hours of sleep because this is this is, is supposed to be his grow, growth spurt, right? He's going to grow tall any day now. 
And I just want him to be getting enough sleep. I don't know. I'm just maybe over worried as a parent. But both me and my wife agree that if possible, we want him to get at least nine hours of sleep. Uh, if not, then at least eight hours. And yesterday, I think he got less than eight hours. And that worries me that this is becoming a pattern. And it's also my fault because I used to stream in the afternoon and I would spend time with him and make sure he does everything he's supposed to do, do his homework, uh, you know, clean up and uh, go to bed uh, in the nighttime. So that got me thinking, should I go back to streaming in, in the afternoon? I don't know. Uh, this nighttime thing, I don't mind it, but I also kind of like, okay, maybe maybe this is me um, thinking that uh, things are better in the past. Like we always have the tendency to think that things are better in the past. And if we could go back to the way things were in the past, then then, um, then we'd be contented, then we'd be happy, right? But so, yeah, maybe this is me looking at it through rose-tinted glasses, I guess. But I do think like, yeah, maybe I should go back to streaming in the afternoon. For one thing, Fiona can watch the stream, right? And then uh, another thing is that uh, Jimmy Earl doesn't have to, yeah, it's pretty much like his uh, nighttime rather than uh, early in the morning when he's driving to work. And also, um, yeah, I can spend more time uh, in the nighttime with my son. But then I'd, I'd have to think about it because I am doing something sometimes in the afternoon nowadays now that we can leave the house, right? Yeah, I'll think about it. Okay, let's go through the comments and then uh, wrap this up. How about we wrap this up? Because it's been almost two hours. This is ridiculous. Uh, this podcast is supposed to be like 20 minutes. My first podcast was probably like 15 minutes. Yeah. Just as pet friend, Jiponto will always remain as that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love the name pet friend, Jiponto. Yeah, it's... Yeah, actually, you and Leon are pretty interesting in that you guys have very interesting names that you chose for your online uh, name. Yeah. If you were to edit it down to what you want to talk about, we're going to end up with a 20-minute cast. But it would be a very solid 20 minutes. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But uh, I would be very proud of myself if I could do that. But it's a lot of work. It's really a lot of work. It's like probably three hours of listening and then choosing the right moment to cut out. Yeah. Since Trump usually blames China for stuff like COVID-19 and TikTok washing sounding like a Chinese Trump makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, Angie. Well, okay, Pat Fern Jiponto says, Ronnie Millsap, any day now. Uh, 
Wait, what is this? Wait, 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 wait. I don't get it. What is this? Ronnie Millsap. I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, okay. It's a song. Right, right, right. A song he sang. Uh, will you continue streaming at 9? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure, Angie. I will think about it and discuss with my wife and family what is the better one for us. But if I do that, that means, uh, yeah, I would pretty much be kind of stuck at home every afternoon. Uh, not that I do a lot in the afternoon, but there are some days when I have to go out in the mornings and afternoons to get some get some things done but not it's not an everyday thing uh oh okay oh okay i said any day now my son will shoot up oh okay so uh, that's interesting ronnie mills up any day now cool yeah 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 i should go and listen to that that sounds like an interesting one I think Pat Friend and you and I probably like a lot of the same music. Uh, yeah, music is interesting. Okay, uh, this is the last thing I'm going to talk about, I think. <laughs> music is interesting in that, like, when I think about people who are kind of like, like, you know how some, how some people are stuck in the 70s, like, they will only listen to things from the 70s, and then some people are stuck in the 80s. And then, like, we think, of, we think like, they progress, 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 and then they get to one point where, like, ah, we're just going to stay here. We're not going to move anymore, right? And when I was listening to music more, well, when I was younger and paying more attention to music, it was like, yeah, there were times, I guess I grew up in the 80s, so I listened to some music from the 80s, right? And then uh, and then the 90s came, uh, and then I was I was still a young a young man listening to music in the 90s. And then I kind of got into the music of the 70s at some point because I don't know why. I don't know why it was. And maybe it's a stage of life rather than like people progressing and getting stuck in the 70s. It's like at some stage in your life, or at least this is true for me, I just decided, hey, this music is pretty good. I'm going to listen to this music. I don't know why it was. I just had a kind of a retro phase that until today, I, I still like a lot of those songs yeah oh it's actually a sad song about a breakup hmm that sounds like tuck remember tuck uh he was gonna break up didn't break up and now he's not so sure and i'm thinking any day now yeah uh yeah i'm pretty sure He's not watching, or if he is watching. Uh, if you're watching this, I hope you're watching this alone. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I want to talk to Tuck 
But I don't know if talking to him on on stream is the is good, because if I talk to him on stream, either I have to delete the stream, or if I leave it on like I always do, uh, he he could get into trouble because, yeah, or otherwise he has to be very careful, be very careful about what he says. So I think I will talk to Tuck, but off stream. But yeah, he. He's going through a rough patch. Pat Fern says, because of the bands I played with, I've always been stuck in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and early 80s. Oh, right. Cool. So you guys would be known as a retro band, I guess, now? Or is that what it's called? Retro? Vintage? Oh, not a good idea. Yeah, I yeah about the tuck, right? Yeah, I will just leave it all non-public. <sighs> I was actually thinking about tuck when I was reading the article yesterday about the wakare sasiya, the people that you hire to kind of sabotage a relationship. Yeah. It's like, what kind of people would hire someone like that? Maybe someone in this kind of situation. And I was thinking of that, yeah. Pat Friend says, people call us an oldies band. Yeah, that's cool. Remember the time when the 80s wasn't the oldies? <laughs> uh, in the 90s, right? The 80s was just the 80s. It wasn't the oldies. And then I think at some point, maybe like 2000, yeah, in the in the early 2000s or mid 2000s, it's like the uh, the 80s was starting to become oldies. I'm like, wait a minute, when did this become oldie? <laughs> and I felt really old, yeah. And that was what 15 years ago. I was starting to feel old. Still getting the hang of it. Still getting. Still getting used to feeling old. Yeah. Angie Kita says, my multiple personalities like different music at different times, but generally music from the 50s to the 80s had more meaningful lyrics. Hmm, okay. Yeah. I... I don't know if this is age talking, but I don't like any music that are out nowadays. I I don't know why. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention. Like, what's the last really good song that really got a hold of me? It's probably... Probably, like, Blink-182 or... Or uh, some forty-one or something like that. Something from the yeah, something from like fifteen, twenty years ago, I think. Uh, has there been any music really that really? Um, like really got into? Yeah, actually, not that many. None at all in the past 10 years, I think. 
<laughs> you're making me feel ancient now pet friend um it's cool um how how should we think about it it's it's i'm trying to think of um how to say like I guess, I guess like the one way people say is like, oh, okay, age is just a number, right? Um, you're only as old as you feel. Um, what I would say is the, the most important thing is that we are happy, I think. Yeah. We just, yeah, we just like what we like, you know? And then, uh, and then we, we just enjoy the things that we can. For me, I like just, okay, I'm going to talk about rock climbing again, sorry, uh, but just uh, the hardest climb I ever did was um, according to the French grades, a 6C, which is nothing spectacular. A lot of people uh, who have climbed um, any amount would have climbed harder climbs than that. But it was my personal achievement. It was the hardest thing I've ever done rock climbing wise. And I've never been able to top it. And last year, I was getting pretty strong. And I was like getting to like 6B, 6B plus. And I was thinking like, maybe I can match what I did before. You know, I'm getting pretty close. Um, I'm not as strong as I was before. I'm not as light as I was before. I'm not as... Um, uh, my joints are achy, you know, and creaky, and I'm not as flexible as I was before, but I'm getting pretty close, you know. And, um, and I, for a moment there, I did think like maybe, maybe I don't have to give up this dream, you know. Maybe I can hang on to this dream a little bit longer, you know. Maybe I can even think about getting a like beating my record and going above 60 maybe going up to 7a at some point if i just um keep working at it uh, just in terms of rock climbing right and now i kind of feel like uh yeah maybe i have to accept that i'll never actually beat that record maybe that was as good as it gets and it's a sad thing to say but at the same time it's kind of like, what's the big deal? You know, like it's not, it's just a number, just like H, right? It's just a number. So what, what, what does it matter if you climb 6C, 7A, 6B, 6A, 5C? It doesn't matter. It's just a number, right? As long as you're having fun, as long as you're um, enjoying the activity, what does it matter, right? So yeah, so that's my that's my way of thinking about it now, especially now that I've hurt my ankle. Um, but we'll see. I, I might get tempted again if I get close again. Uh, but right now, I think I think that's how I look at it. Even the the comedy thing, right? Is it really realistic for me to to think that um, one day I'm gonna make it big and I'm. <laughs> I'm going to be uh, a huge comedy uh, sensation. Uh, it's probably not that realistic, right? So I don't know. But I'm still I'm still kind of hanging on to the dream, right? I'm still kind of doing what I can. 
And um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's bad attitude to, maybe it's really bad attitude to 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 kind of look at it in such a relaxed manner. Maybe I I do need to really um, like the whole <laughs> trying to wrap the the whole. Um, I'm trying to wrap this podcast up by bringing back everything I've said. It's like the old uh, unit trust thing. It's like you gotta believe, right? You gotta believe in the training. You gotta believe in the propaganda in order to sell the thing, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe in order to really make it, you have to believe in the dream, no matter how unrealistic it is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just too relaxed. I should be working way harder. I'm, I'm really um, impressed by the younger comedians like uh like um Esther Chen wow she's just working so hard and i i just have no doubt that she's gonna yeah she's gonna make it uh either as a comedian or as an actress or as you know somebody mike sadi hi mike uh mike says age is a number that determines how old you are <laughs> Yes, Mike, um, that is exactly what age is. I <laughs> uh, love it. Uh, oh, Sheeran has some good stuff. Trainer too. Is that how you pronounce it? Trainer? Traino? Gaga has some really good stuff. I think there is some really good songs around. Just got to look. Okay. I have heard uh, some Ed Sheeran stuff. Um Gaga, I only know the one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Mike is here. Everyone saying hi to Mike. Arishalala. This is um. Arishalala. Whoa. Oh, okay. I know this one. This, uh, this is a Carpenter song, right? It's um Yesterday Once More. Yeah. Words that don't make sense, uh, never really did, yes. Wait, these are lyrics, right? Okay, cool. Uh, okay, I don't, I don't think I know this one, or, or maybe I do, but I, I, it's not coming to my mind right now. Yeah, lyrics. Clearly, you prefer the older stuff. <laughs> What's that all about? Okay, it's the what Angie was singing was the the carpenter song. Um, every sha la la la, every woe -oh -oh still shines. Like the song, I feel it in my fingers. I feel it. In, oh, okay. You like this song? I feel it in my... Oh, okay. An ankle, knee, elbow, back, etc. Ouch. <laughs> but well, who sang that song anyway? Um, I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. That's a... Is that a Westlife or... A, it's one of those, right? Um, what's the... What's the... Is it Westlife? Yeah, I don't know. The, there's a bunch of Irish or British bands, boy bands that 
I'm still hanging on to my dream too. One day, yeah. I think it's. I mean, you could say, like, you have to be a bit delusional. But those those are the people who make it, right? The people who believe, yeah. Being huge in anything is far fetched for most people. I think the question is, why do you want to be huge in comedy? What is the allure of being world famous? Yeah, it's just ego, man. It's just to satisfy satisfy my huge ego. Yeah. Sim, are you sure you hurt your ankle from climbing? It could be from all your jalan jalan cari makan excursion in Penang. You know what I think it is. Okay, here's here's my theory. I th I think I put on some weight, not just from eating in Penang, but just over the whole MCO. I've been putting on weight. And uh, the last time I weighed, like after the Penang trip, I weighed myself, and I was like, "Hey, this is x ex three extra kg since the last time I weighed myself, like a month or two months ago." I don't weigh myself very often, and I think this extra weight, this extra three kg, is something that I didn't account for when I was rock climbing, and that's how that's how I've been. Uh, Falling off climbs and hurting myself, and also hurting my finger. Yeah, and that definitely makes sense for my finger. That's how I hurt my finger trying to do this move. That I'm like, yeah, I got this. You know, I'm a, my body knows how to do this move, and then I don't realize that my body is not as strong anymore. Is uh, yeah, and it's three kg heavier. I actually think. Um. Like in the old days, I would just like, oh, I, I like uh, rock climbing. It's a nice physical activity, and I would just climb myself back to fitness. Right? If I'm a little bit uh, unfit, I would just climb myself back to fitness, and that's a pretty good all all body workout. <clears throat> but nowadays, I actually think like, uh, in order to get back into climbing without hurting myself, maybe I have to watch my diet and reduce my weight. You know, I can't just go in there blindly and just do it because like this extra weight is actually dangerous uh, in terms of like um, doing hard moves that involves your uh, extremities you know like especially fingers ankles things like that they're not, they're really not meant to carry like a large part of your body weight but in rock climbing they kind of do yeah Uh, what's that about? I was referring to do the do do, which is by the police. Oh, I know that one. Okay. Do 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 da 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 da. da. Feel it in my fingers. Is wet wet wet. Ah, okay. Yeah, wet wet wet. Ah, okay. From the movie for weddings and a funeral. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Love is all around. Right now, Sim is feeling old, old, old. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, but it's okay. Age is just a number. Uh, what's the thing they always say? Uh, when you turn, when you turn thirty, they always say like thirty, like. 30 is, the old, 30 is the new 20, right? When you turn 40, they say, oh, 40 is the new 30. 
And now next year, I'm going to be turning 50. And someone's going to say, ah, 50 is the new 40. And uh, I, I'm i going to say like, no, it's not. Because I remember what it's like to be 40. And uh, I felt young, you know. When I was 40, I felt young. I felt like just like I was just in my 30s just a few days ago. That was what I felt uh, in my early 40s. And now I feel a huge difference between early 40s and late 40s. Just huge. Yeah, the, the amount of energy that I have is just so vastly different. And it's, I know a lot of it is fitness. I'm not fit. And uh, yeah, I need to work on my cardio. You are only as old as you feel. Yes, pet friend. And I agree. And I think that is that is how I'm gonna end this stream because I love it. Yeah, only as old as you feel. Uh, as much as people say that, I think I think it's true. Um, but don't go feeling like you're twenty when you're fifty or eighty, and then start doing like. 20-year-old stuff. I don't know. Because uh, some of that could be creepy, right? <laughs> don't go chasing after college girls you know, when you're in your 50s or 60s. And um, definitely don't go bouldering with like um, kids. Uh, yeah, because you can get injured. Ah, okay. Take a page from Alan Tam, Forever 25. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Pat Francis. Sometimes I forget how old I am. Then after a long day at work, I feel a lot older than I am. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, that is so true. That is so true. I, some days I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm not that old. I'm just like, um, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty hip. I can do a lot of things. And then, yeah, after a long day, and I just feel so tired. Mm, not that that's happened in a while, but I, I know what you mean. It's just like, man, I need I need to lie down. Okay, everybody, I'm going to end the stream here. So bye, everybody.